Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 7.58 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 11th of April, 2022, and this is episode 572 of Bitcoin. And, well, it's the day after the week of the Bitcoin conference. Bitcoin 2022 wrapped it all up. I guess I'm going to say on Sunday, uh, because I'm sure that they probably wrapped it up Saturday, but uh, I don't know, man. It looked like there were some events going on on Sunday. I don't know. I wasn't there. I just wasn't. I'm I'm hoping for Bitcoin Bitcoin 2023 in Austin, Texas. You put that son of a bitch in Austin, I'll be damn sure I'd be going, man, because Texas, there's just... Texas in the spring is not to be missed, especially in the hill country, especially if it rains for a couple of weeks before the blue bonnets come out. I mean, there is nothing like a drive in the Texas hill country in the spring after the rains because it is freaking spectacular. You know what else is spectacular? People like Peter Schiff who one minute ago says there are now more than 18,800 cryptocurrencies. If Bitcoin was all its promoters claim, there would be no crypto industry, just a Bitcoin industry. Tether is in third place by market cap with a 20% lead over BNB. But if they keep counterfeiting more, it will eventually take first. Monday mornings are always a good morning for a a train wrecked. Peter Schiff just, he will not learn at all anything about this stuff. And it's just, you know, it's, it's infuriating that he continuously, it's like, it's like a child mispronouncing daddy and keeps going, daddy, daddy, where's daddy? I don't know where dad is at. It's like, ah, oh, shut up, you little kid. It's pronounced daddy. Peter Schiff needs a daddy. He needs somebody to hold his hand through this entire industry so that he can figure out what the hell's going on. It's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. Anyway, getting back to the whole Bitcoin conference thing, it dawned on me yesterday that some of you guys may may start going through withdrawals. I went through a bit of a withdrawal after uh, when I went to Bitblock Boom, not last year, but the year before last. And I met all these great people and I just love sitting down with them and, you know, listening to the talks. And next conference, I probably won't go to as many talks because the real action is out in the hallways, by the bar, out in front of the hotel, you know, or wherever the, the conference happens to be. That's where the real action is going on. That's where the real networking happens. But Bitblock Boom was, it was just, it, it was great. 
but after, you know, the two days of the conference, I went home and I was like, I can, it wasn't with, it wasn't like withdrawal. It was just kind of like, oh, oh, we're all the, we're all the Bitcoin people. Cause we all go off to our, you know, native homelands or whatever. And most of us, many of us, probably most of us don't have the kind of Bitcoin support that we need. And I'm pretty sure that the same kind of, you know, a little bit of gloominess and a little bit of sadness may, may, you know, happen to you guys coming out of the Bitcoin conference, especially if it's your very first conference. So I recommend the following. Call the people that you met on the phone. Did you get phone numbers? Did you make it, you know, did you make network connections? Then call the people on the phone if for no other reason, just to say, Hello, I really enjoyed meeting you at the conference. I just wanted to call. I wanted to make sure that we, we keep in touch. Don't lose your connections, all right? Also, direct message their ass on Twitter or whatever, whatever social media platform you tend to use. Mostly it's Bitcoin at this point or Bitcoin Twitter rather. <clears throat> DM them, DM them liberally. You know, they probably want to hear from you just as much as you want to hear from them. So don't be shy. Just Pop into their DMs, say, hey, man, just wanted to reconnect, wanted to make sure we don't lose this connection. That's, you, you build the network, but then you got to maintain the network. And if you're feeling kind of lonely or a little bit, then DM one of the guys that you met. And then that, that project that's, that you wrote down when you were half lit up at the bar with that other dude that you just met, and y'all built like a project or had an idea and you wrote it out on the back of a like stained bar napkin. Yeah, pull that son of a bitch out of your pocket and get to work on that shit. That'll help. And then your standard <clears throat> lift weights, stack sats, eat meat, stay humble. There you go. What do we have first up? No, oh, this is, by the way, the, the news is going to be a lot from Bitcoin Magazine as we go over what the hell happened? And one of the first things that everybody was fawning over was Jordan Peterson. And <clears throat> I, it's not that I dislike the guy. I just don't get the fascination. He's cool. I like how he got famous because he got in trouble at his college for refusing to call somebody by their pronouns or whatever. And that was all bitching and all, but I just... I don't know. I don't see how he just exploded onto the scene because of that. But be that as it may, Jordan Peterson was at the Bitcoin conference and Casey Carrillo is going to tell us more about it from Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin 2022 is a gathering of freedom, a place for conversations of sovereignty and who better to invite to speak than Jordan Peterson, a prominent Canadian psychologist who's attracted much attention for his books and podcast appearances. Uh, Peterson has been classified as the most influential public intellectual in the Western world right now and a right-wing internet celebrity. But his wide appeal certainly testifies to that fact that he's speaking to a growing audience of people seeking his ideals. His fireside appearance was hosted by Tour de Meester, an early Bitcoin investor and analyst. Given de Meester's experience and knowledge, it was set to be an excellent discussion. Much of the Bitcoin community already has an ideological intersection with Peterson. At the conference, his chat was delivered to a very crowded audience. People were interested in what he had to say. Demeester started by asking Peterson about what sparked his entrepreneurial ventures. And Peterson responded, quote, the most appropriate way to understand something is to try it. 
in a way, it's a nod to proof of work as a concept. Peterson then jumped into what became the main theme of his responses, which was his profuse, profuse belief in capitalism. Quote, don't be defensive about the ethics of your capitalistic enterprise. On the contrary, you should be on the offensive, proudly proclaiming that people should make free choices about what they value. One of the fundamental axioms of a free market system is that the only way to properly compute the horizon of the future is by sampling and perhaps summing the free choices of a multitude of free agents, he said. <clears throat> Demeester then asked Peterson about his curiosity into Bitcoin, to which Peterson replied, quote, first of all, I thought I would be motivated to understand Bitcoin if I actually invested some money in it because I do believe the proposition that you don't really make genuine decisions if you're sampling a domain unless you have skin in the game, end quote. But Peterson wasn't entirely bullish on Bitcoin. He did have a demeanor of cautious optimism, quote, we have no idea what would happen if money per se was actually decentralized. If we manage that and say Bitcoin remains maintains its privacy. Is it irreversible? Is that permanent? Well, what if it's a bad idea and it's irreversible? End quote. Peterson rounded back to capitalism to finish off saying, here's two justifications for free markets and capitalism. It gives warlike people something to do that isn't destructive. He then added, quote, if you can't make your idea attractive enough to other people so that they're willing to give you money, it's possible that it's a stupid idea and you're doing it badly. We shouldn't subsidize zombies. Do you want to be one? I guess he means be a zombie. No, no, that's the end of the article. I, I got, I got to go. I got at least one thing to say about this, this very last sentence. If if you can't make your idea attractive enough to other people so that they're willing to give you money, it's possible that it's a stupid idea and you're doing it badly. We shouldn't subsidize zombies. Okay, we shouldn't subsidize zombies. This is 100% true. However, I think the sentence should actually say that if they're not willing to give you money, it's possible that it's a stupid idea or you're doing it badly or both. Okay, because I've seen good ideas <clears throat> that are represented horribly and the idea doesn't get funded or whatever, right? I've also seen people who sell really stupid ideas very effectively because they're doing it well, right? You need both. You need a, you really do to hit it out of the park. You need a really good idea and you need to do it really, really well. Elizabeth Holmes her entire thing was based upon a lie. It's even worse than a stupid idea. It's a complete untruth. Yet she marketed it so well that she became a billionaire damn near overnight. Of course, now she's in the freaking hokey, the hokey pokey. But be that as it may, I can't, I can't not attribute the fact that apparently Elizabeth Holmes knew how to market shit. Or at least she knew how to find people that effectively was able to market her stupid idea, or rather her lie. So yes, you need a good idea, <clears throat> but that's not enough. You need to be able to market it well. Case in point, my podcast. I figured everybody would love to hear the news on a morning basis. It's not working out as well as I thought. Why? I don't think it's a stupid idea. 
I really don't. I think people are going to want to be able to listen to the news rather than read the news because they're on a commute or they're doing yard work or they're washing the dishes or something like that. And they don't really want to sit at a screen and read story after story after story. Right. Right. But I am a shitty marketer. Okay. That is 100% unadulterated truth. I couldn't market myself out of a wet paper bag with holes in it if it was on fire, right? Okay, that's just the honest truth. So what Jordan says here is really, has a really, resonates very strongly within me. I just think that you don't have to have both. I think it's, I've seen examples of just one of those done well, has a tendency sometimes to be able to work, but the real home run, good idea, excellent ability to communicate that idea. Now, moving on. Federated Chami and Mints, the future of Bitcoin privacy? <clears throat> Shit, I don't know. Let's see what Nomsios has to say about it from Bitcoin Magazine. Much is usually talked about privacy in Bitcoin on the one side. There are regulators and mainstream media coverages talking nonstop about how Bitcoin brings anonymous transactions to its users. On the other end of the spectrum, however, some Bitcoiners make it their life's purpose, bringing awareness about the matter to the broader public that Bitcoin is not private. Researcher and builder Eric Saroin joined longtime miner and developer Casey Rodemore at the Bitcoin 2022 conference to discuss federated Chamian mints, which the duo believes will supercharge Bitcoin privacy in the future. Quote, the concept behind Chamian eCash is based on blind signatures invented by Dr. Chom in 1982. Let me say that again. Back in 1982, we didn't even have MTV, I think. Or if MTV was out, it was very brand new. We're talking 40 years ago, ladies and gentlemen. Chom pioneered the quest for a private form of digital cash, having effectively spun out the entire cyberpunk movement. With Chami and eCash, you take a random message, take some Bitcoin, put them in the envelope, give to the signer, they sign it and keep the money, and the signature would mean that value is true. Later, you can go back or go to the bank, sign a piece of data, and they give the amount you deposited back to you. The bank can verify the signature, but has no idea of any information about the actual customer. Quote, it's a nice improvement from a fully decentralized non-private system, Rotomore said. It is still centralized and requires trust, but it is private. We can do better with the Federation. With the Federation, trust can be split between many different people as the setup would enforce a minimum quorum of Federation participants to move funds. Additionally, the composition of the Federation can be varied. Quote, you can have friends and family or places with favorable regulations or a dark market running it for profit, Rotomore said. Adding the concept of trust to a Bitcoin custody setup might be an instant deal breaker for most Bitcoiners who strongly believe in the trustless characteristic of Bitcoin for both sending, receiving, and storing BTC. However, Saroin argued that there is some slight form of trust in the Bitcoin network today. Quote, in Bitcoin, we essentially trust that the miners don't collude against us. Based on the economic incentives, he said, adding that network participants trust that the economic incentives of Bitcoin mining will help ensure that scenario doesn't happen. 
While Federated Chami and Cash explicitly brings trust into the equation, it is supposed to cater to a specific set of users. The setup could function as another tool to bring additional privacy to those not willing to self-custody their Bitcoin, Soroin and Rotomore argued, quote, if we can make this so convenient that people want to use it, then we will bring more privacy to the network and its users, Soroin said. <clears throat> Notably, however, the feder this federated system for private payments and withdrawals is not auditable. So the user needs to fully trust the federation in that sense. Beyond the Bitcoin base layer, Soroyan and Rotomore argued that federated Chami and Cash with Lightning can bring one additional level of privacy to the user. Quote, we touched on the privacy of depositors having from the federation, but... When you pair it with Lightning and users are depositing and withdrawing via Lightning, you get privacy from outside servers and those trying to surveil the system, Rotomore said. It's kind of a giant coin join with a shared Lightning node that is very hard to surveil, end quote. In truth, the future of Bitcoin privacy might be diverse, with users choosing which tool to leverage for their own needs. Quote, we envision lots of people doing federated e-cash to do layer two payments and massive coin joins on layer one, Rotomore said. I can imagine a future where every spend is a coin join, Soroin said. So there you go. There's a little bit about what was going on at the conference about Chamian Mints. Now, in the news, Tesla CEO Elon Musk is no longer joining the Twitter board. Scott Cipollina has it for Decrypt.co. Tesla CEO Elon Musk will no longer be joining the board of Twitter, according to a statement published earlier today by Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal. Quote, Elon's appointment to the board was to become official effective April the 9th, but Elon shared that same morning that he will no longer be joining the board. <laughs> Jesus, he just made them look like idiots. Quote, I believe this is for the best. I have and will always value input from our shareholders, whether they are on our board or not. Elon is our biggest shareholder and we will remain open to his input, Agrawal said. Today's news represents a complete turnaround from last week's announcement on April the 5th, four days earlier, when Agrawal was excited to share that Twitter is appointing Elon Musk to our board. Musk, who has not personally announced the U-turn, said at the same time that he was looking forward to working with Parag and Twitter board to make significant improvements to Twitter in the coming months. Just days before Musk was initially announced as Twitter's newest board member, the Tesla and SpaceX CEO purchased 9.2% stake in the social media platform. Per an SEC filing, Musk purchased 73.4 million shares of common stock with Twitter trading at $39.31, bringing his total share purchase to over $2.8 billion. <clears throat> that purchase in turn came hot off the heels of a survey he conducted on Twitter about Twitter's commitment to the principle of free speech. Quote, free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. Do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle? He asked via Twitter survey. The answer would be no, Elon. No, they do not. Over 2 million votes were cast with 70% of respondents believing that Twitter did not adhere to the principles of free speech. Earlier this week, when asked to improve Twitter's verification system, Musk also described cryptocurrency scam bots as the single most annoying problem on Twitter. 
on the subject of Twitter verification, Musk suggested that everyone who signs up for Twitter Blue, a $3 a month subscription, should get an authentication mark. He later added that it could even be an option to pay in God forbid Dogecoin. Despite Musk's most recent Twitter speculation around Dogecoin, the famous meme cryptocurrency has barely moved, registering at 14 United States pennies today, the same price as on the day Musk's Twitter stake was announced. So, dude, somebody asked me when I tweeted this story out, when I was setting up for the show, <clears throat> you know, kind of like, what the hell is he thinking? My response was, it is entirely possible that this boy is just 100% fucking unhinged. It is not outside the realm of possibility that this dude is crazier than a belfry full of bats, okay? He may just be psychotic. I don't know. I mean, most a lot of people believe he made most of his money through the sale of PayPal. That's not true. He made a shit ton of money through the sale of PayPal, but by the time PayPal was sold, he had already been ousted by Peter Thiel. He was gone. He was a goner, man. He didn't quit. He was forced out. Wonder why? I wonder, I wonder what could have possibly happened. And then all of a sudden, he starts begging the United States government for subsidies for this, e for this uh, Tesla bullshit. And, and then it starts into SpaceX and he's just getting dumped, he's just getting money dumped on him by the United States taxpayer. Tesla for like, I think last year, if you take away the subsidy action, Tesla's never profitable. He can't survive without subsidies. It's almost like the United States, United States of America farmers. They cannot really survive without farm subsidies. And they can't, sure as shit, can't, can't function without crop insurance. It's just a bad deal all the way around. So then he uses his, all this money that he basically got for free because he had, it's a good idea, Tesla and SpaceX, and it's properly executed insofar as marketing, I'll give him that, but is it doable? And that goes back to this Jordan Peterson thing. Maybe there's a third thing. Yeah, you can have a good idea. Yes, you can have excellent marketing. And like Elizabeth Holmes, if it's not possible, you're going to go to fucking jail. I don't know if Elon's going to go to jail. I'm just saying that it is not outside the realm of possibility that he's this erratic because he's crazy. I mean, it would take somebody that's just damn near psychotic to go to the United States government and demand billions of dollars and, and is able to get it every year. For however long Tesla's been been you know been Tesla, so I just think <clears throat> I think Elon Musk is as rich as he is, as ballsy as he's been, is just simply immature, and possibly psychotic as well. Connecting Tesla cars, continuing with psychotic shit, connecting Tesla cars <clears throat> to charging stations via lightning at Bitcoin 2022. Fangorn writes it for BitcoinMagazine.com. To paraphrase the great American philosopher Forrest Gump, Bitcoin and energy go together like peas and carrots. Bitcoin's connection with the energy industry is well known with valuable ancillary services such as waste energy monetization and grid stabilization becoming more widely appreciated by the day. Bitcoin's connection to energy is now moving beyond the typical mining applications. A lightning project called Distributed Charge developed by Andy Schroeder and featured in Bitcoin 2022's exposition 
Hall promises to advance Bitcoin's integration with the energy sector in a new and exciting way. Schroeder is using Lightning to stream payments for electricity between a Lightning-enabled node integrated into a Tesla and a Lightning-enabled node integrated into a charging station. With, the, with this system, individuals can stream sats for electrons in a peer-to-peer -peer energy marketplace. Distributed Charge is currently using the electric vehicle use case to pilot the idea, but one could envision the technology being applied on a much broader scale, helping utilities to more efficiently price and distribute power, as well as enabling independent power producers to sell directly to customers in a more mesh-like grid system. The node that Schroeder developed to run in the charging terminal is elegantly designed to withstand inclement weather and his custom designed circum board expands on a project called Oratex Tofu node platform. The node can be powered by 7.2 to 28 volts DC in addition to USB-C. It has an M2 socket for direct installation for a slim SSD or cellular radio. Schroeder envisions Bitcoin as the native payment network for the energy grid and that, quote, every electric meter should allow for bi-directional payment and energy flows and everyone should be able to easily buy and sell energy privately without the need to involve third parties or inflationary monetary systems, end quote. Needless to say, pricing and distributing electricity and sats via lightning is an immensely exciting proposition with wide-ranging implications. The Bitcoin community should help Schroeder bring this vision to fruition by installing these charging stations and outfitting more electric cars with his nodes. Okay, so as crazy as a bed bug that Elon Musk may be, this is a good idea because you could do this with all manner of shit. You can do this with those little scooters that litter the sidewalks and piss people off. I can't remember the name of it. Is it blue or something like that? Whatever it is. Uh, you could do it with your electric meter, as they said in this in this thing. But you can also do it with with anything that occurs over time that has a connection either with each other or with the internet in general via satellite, land cable, Wi-Fi, you name it. Anything that occurs over time is ripe for this type of thing right? If I go buy vegetables, okay, well, that's, I can just, I can just pay, you know, with a lightning, <clears throat> with a lightning payment or even an on-chain payment, although I wouldn't buy vegetables on-chain. That's just stupid. But streaming Satoshis, if it happens over time, that's fueling, fueling a gasoline engine. You could do this with, why? Because that fueling situation occurs over time although not really necessary. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Software, software licensing. I don't want to pay Adobe for like, you know, $65 a month for the, you know, having Photoshop on my machine, which I may use like a couple of times a week. I use it, me personally, I use it more, but a lot of people don't, but they'd like to have it and they do use it when they do use it. So it'd be great that when you crank up Adobe Photoshop that it connects to your lightning node says, oh, you've got, you've got Satoshis in your lightning wallet. I'll start streaming them to the licensing server out at Adobe and Adobe will keep your token for your license in an unlocked state. 
And then when you walk away from the machine, you get like, I don't know, maybe it's like you stream Satoshi's for the next 10 seconds. And then if you doesn't sense keyboard strokes or mouse movements, the stream shuts off until you start moving your mouse or you make a keystroke or you do something and then the stream starts back up. It is a pay as you go situation. And it's not just Adobe. Any, any software that you use over a period of time to complete a task is right for this. Just saying, I'm just thinking out loud and just, just doing it. All right. Uh, Senator Cynthia Lummis outlines forthcoming bipartisan Bitcoin bill, Sean Amick, Bitcoin Magazine. During Bitcoin 2022, United States Senator Cynthia Lummis offered details on a bipartisan bill. The Responsible Financial Innovation Act that she hopes will establish favorable Bitcoin regulation during a fireside chat with Marco Santori, the chief legal officer at Kraken. Quote, it's truly a legislative framework that we hope will provide the sandbox for innovation to occur, but also put some regulatory parameters so you all know the rules of the road, Lummis explained. It includes privacy components, consumer protection components, taxation components, end quote. There becomes an obvious burden as nation states recognize the success of Bitcoin and attempt to apply existing regulations to govern its use or create new laws to do so. In the United States, Lummis shared that she sees legislators becoming increasingly open to the idea of passing favorable rules catered to Bitcoin that would foster innovation in the country. Quote, there were concerns about whether Bitcoin and digital asset exchanges would participate in sanctions on Russia, and they have. And they have been robust players, Lemus noted. Uh, not really, I'm not really gonna rah rah for that shit. Quote For most members of Congress, this has been abstract for a long time. That has changed dramatically in the last 12 months, and part of it is thanks to you all. End quote. Legislation in the cryptocurrency space have been increasingly at odds for some time now. In July of 2021, for instance, Bitcoiners were abruptly dis disturbed. On a late Wednesday night, as the announcement of a new infrastructure bill in the United States looked to require that Know Your Customer reporting criteria be collected on people spending over $10,000 in Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. <clears throat> the pseudonymic nature of Bitcoin prevents this kind of information from ever being collected, which raised concerns, and suddenly it seemed Bitcoiners became highly political. Oh, honey, we've always been political. Quote, it became very apparent to us and to all of you that Congress might mess this up, Lummis said as she addressed the Bitcoin 2022 crowd. And so we tried to fast forward and craft legislation, even though we would have preferred to do more education for a while, In quote. Lummis became ecstatic as she discussed new members of Congress joining her efforts towards smart legislation for Bitcoin. Quote, just about a month ago, Senator Kristen Gillibrand of New York decided to take an interest in this bill and she just threw herself into it, Lummis said. It's so fabulous. No, that's actually in the piece here. As more politicians become more informed about Bitcoin, Santori asked what the latest developments toward a United States central bank digital currency might be. Quote, not very many people are thinking about it and for a long time it's been just about trying to evaluate the pros and cons, but one of the things that's helping to define the debate is the digital wand. It's being used as a tool for surveillance, and the United States Senate is aware of that. And the Fed, by the way, 
is also aware of that, end quote. Lummis alleviated the concerns of many in a crowd as she explained that, quote, if there is a digital product that is direct to consumer, it would be a stable coin as opposed to a CBDC direct to consumer. I think that's a much more American way of adopting this technology as backed by the U.S. dollar, end quote. Lummis then turned away from the American stage and allowed a global lens to tell the tale of Bitcoin. Quote, we have witnessed in the United States Senate who was in Ukraine and we asked him, quote, <clears throat> would you rather receive help in Bitcoin or in fiat currency, she explained. <clears throat> he said, can, we can have Americans send us Bitcoin right now. And we're spending it on medicine, on water, on food, and on protection the very next day. We could never do that with fiat currency, end quote. And that's the end of the article. Let's run the numbers. Well, shit, I guess all that oil that Potato Head president of ours released out onto the uh, market is doing its, doing its deal. West Texas Intermediate is down 3.8% to $94.50. So we're below 100. Brent North Sea likewise below 100 to $99.15 after a 3.5% drop. We have a 4.79% rise in the price of natural gas, however, $6.58 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline itself is down 3.23% to just over three bucks a barrel. Gold, Peter Schiff, this is why Peter Schiff is all happy today and, and able to lash out at Bitcoiners for no reason. Gold is up just a bare minimum over a full point to 1,966 bucks. Silver is up almost three points to 25.50. Platinum is up 0.68. Copper is down 1.17 and palladium is up 1.44%. Agricultural futures are relatively mixed. The biggest winner of the day as usual is wheat up 1.75. Soybeans are down almost a half. Corn is up almost a point. Sugar is down almost a half. Coffee is up 1.21% and chocolate is down 0.82%. Uh, Dow down 0.3%. Uh, S&P is down 0.67%. Ooh, NASDAQ is going to take it on the chin. 1.16% to the downside. And the S&P mini is down one-third of a point. Real money struggling today, $41,118.62. So as gold rises and Bitcoin falls, that is like a bat signal to Peter Schiff, I swear to God. 533,520 BTC changing hands in the last 24 hours. That is 22,230 BTC sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 2.19 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.011 BTC, which is very low, 459 bucks. Block times are high, 10 minutes and 31 seconds. 0 0.059 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. 8.2 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour. Uh, with a 6% well, drop in hash rate, we're still above 200 to 203.43 exahashes per second. Shitcoin indicator as usual is Doge. One, nope, sorry. 14.1 United States pennies, 2,114 transactions are awaiting two blocks to clear. 
We are back down to $775.7 billion in market capitalization, which is right at 6% of gold's total market cap. And we may buy 20.8 ounces of shiny metal rock with our one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,008,579.68 of and 3,726 and a third of those are locked in the Lightning Network valued at $152.1 million, being run over 19,757 nodes sporting 85,033 payment channels, and 74.2% of all of it is being run over Tor and its associated 11,776 nodes that we know about. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. I've just been informed that running a lawnmower, gas powered that is, for one hour is the same emission output as running a car on idle for 40 hours. We must kill big lawnmower before it kills the planet. Continuing with the news, building new grids to support local communities and strengthen the Bitcoin network. Bitcoin Magazine's Craig Deutsch has it for us. <clears throat> Bitcoin mining specialists sat down to discuss how mining companies can work with local grids to strengthen electricity production and distribution at the Bitcoin 2022 conference in a panel titled Building New Grids. The panel was moderated by Zach Vole. The panelists included Paul Prager, who is the CEO of TerraWolf, Sergey Jerzmoyevich, the founder and CEO of EZ Blockchain, Zachary K. Bradford, the CEO of CleanSpark, and Harry Suddock, Vice President of Strategy for GRID. That's GRID with two eyes. Guys, stop spelling your shit incorrectly. It's not cool. It's no longer cool. Stop it. This all stems from the HODL thing, okay? If you don't know about the HODL thing, it's a whiskey fueled rant on Reddit that gave us the word H-O-D-L, pronounced HODL instead of HOLD. And that kicked everything off. I'm still really pissed about that. The panelists started the discussion defining the grid and how power generation and distribution work. Suddick explained the different parts. Energy is generated when, quote, the turbine spins. There are many different ways to make that turbine spin, but that's what creates the power. Then it gets moved, and then it gets delivered, end quote. Prager expanded on this thought, quote, the grid is basically what connects demand to the load. Where there are imbalances is where there are opportunities for miners, end quote. After the explanation of grids, the group explained how Bitcoin fits into the picture of energy distribution. Bradford used an oft-repeated analogy comparing Bitcoin to a battery. Quote, as we got exposed to the Bitcoin side, we always talk about storing value, but that's really what we're doing. We're storing the value of energy in Bitcoin. Instead of storing that energy in a battery, we are storing it in Bitcoin by mining, end quote. Bitcoin mining is effective for strengthening the grid because of the consistent energy use and ease of which miners can plug and unplug their operations, Bradford said, quote, we can consume a very flat load all the time and we can drop it off almost immediately and then bring it back on, end quote. Additionally, we miners can interact in a way that improves grid health. The ways that Bitcoin miners will strengthen the grid is specifically around how they purchase power from the grid Suddick explains, quote, we have reinvented how power gets bought. 
We want to spend more money on power each month because each unit of revenue is directly correlated with each unit of power, end quote. Bradford elaborated on the issues with the grid when he shared, quote, the age of our grid is a problem and someone has to pay for it. I think Bitcoin miners are well positioned to improve the grid across the whole nation, end quote. Bitcoin mining offers a new way for companies to make power purchase agreements with electricity providers. Suddick said, this is fundamentally an innovative approach to consuming power for the first time in the last 90 years. Power companies didn't always understand the incentive to work out agreements with Bitcoin miners, but now, quote, the education happened and things have progressed really well, but no one knows how to price that much power and that much consistency of a load. Suddick chimed in, there's nothing more exciting than an economic incentive. He went on, the overall rate, structure, regime, and how energy gets priced and sold, that's the next step in the process. Bradford echoed the way Bitcoin miners have evolved in the eyes of power companies, quote, in the last two years, Bitcoin miners are now seen as really good anchor tenants to large-scale power purchase agreements, end quote. Bitcoin mining being attached to grids has the potential for counterparty risk. The panelists discussed their differing concerns for potential risk next. Prager embraced the likelihood of government regulation. I quote, I think the mining business will evolve to the greatest level of capital efficiency and energy efficiency. Similarly, Gregorzhzamovich is also not worried about regulation. Quote, I think that's what's good about Bitcoin. We can go anywhere. You don't like us, we'll go somewhere else. It's a resurrection of energy in general. We are resurrecting energy in places where it was dead. Prager shared his thoughts about the benefits of Bitcoin mining for communities. Quote, we now have union families back to mine Bitcoin and repair miners. I think there will be a big explosion in that direction when he talked about zero carbon being the next evolution in mining. Suddick concluded, Bitcoin miners mean we can get more power at lower cost to more people, which is highly correlated to human flourishing. And Craig Deutsch writing that one for Bitcoin Magazine. Going back up here to where they said something about, uh, do, 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 see if I can find it. Uh... Nope, can't find it. But he was talking about purchase power agreements and uh, Bitcoin mining being an industry that represents what would be called a cornerstone. Uh, and a cornerstone, if you don't know what a cornerstone actually means to the life of something larger than just the cornerstone itself, you have nowhere to look but a, well, I, I actually, I kind of don't want to say it because they're dying, but malls, anchor stores. Okay, Cornerstone or Anchor stores are things like, well, what used to be Sears, which is now gone. Uh, Dillard's is another Anchor store at most United States malls. Uh, TJ Maxx could be considered an Anchor store. Anchor stores are anything that are so freaking big that they are, in fact, the major draw of customers for the mall itself. So all the other little tiny mall stores benefit from the presence of the anchor stores. And anchor stores don't have to be inside of a mall, inside of like an enclosed mall. Uh, strip malls have anchor stores as well. TJ Maxx, again, is another big one. Kohl's is a huge anchor store for strip malls. Um, sometimes a guitar center can serve as an anchor store if it's big enough. But having Bitcoin mining being an anchor consumer 
means that it will f- allow to flourish around it all manner of other smaller energy users. How that develops is yet to be seen. What kind of innovation will come out of this is still yet to be seen. But I guarantee you, it is going to blow people's minds as to what people will be able to figure out what to do with energy. Because we've never looked at energy like this before. We've never given a shit about where the electricity comes from. And now all of a sudden, people are having this huge discussion about electrons and their flow and how they're produced and where they go and how they're used and who's using it for what. And because that attention has now been drawn to the flow and creation and delivery of electrons, you cannot imagine what kind of innovation will explode forth from the human mind. Every single time something captures the imagination of the human mind, all manner of things fall out of it that you never thought would have fallen out of it before. Tesla, Blockstream, and Block now breaking ground on all solar Bitcoin mining facility in Texas. Stacy Elliott, Decrypt.co. Blockstream has started construction on the all solar Bitcoin mining facility it's building in Texas with Block Incorporated and Tesla. The partnership was announced last year when Block, formerly known as Square, committed $5 million to the project. According to Blockstream, the facility will be completed by the end of 2022. The solar mining operation will use Tesla photovoltaics and megapack battery equipment to run entirely on renewable energy. The 3.8 megawatt Tesla solar array and 12 megawatt hour battery will generate 30 petahashes per second of mining power. Uh, at the current Bitcoin price of 43,676 bucks, the facility could mine roughly 4.11 BTC per month, according to Crypto Compare. To put that into perspective, the Blockstream facility will be very small compared to the 300 megawatt operation that Riot Blockchain has built at Windstone US, a former Alcoa aluminum plant in Rockdale, Texas. When the riot operation is complete, the 100-acre site will generate 750 megawatts of power. But Blockstreams and its partners haven't necessarily set out to build the biggest North American Bitcoin mining facility. They want to show that it can be done with all renewable energy. Quote, this is a step to proving our thesis that Bitcoin mining can fund zero emission power infrastructure and build economic growth for the future. Blockstream co-founder and CEO Adam Back told CNBC at the Bitcoin 2022 conference in Miami. To that end, Blockstream plans to maintain a public dashboard so that people can see its power output and Bitcoin production. A later version will also report on uptime, power storage, and solar power being generated by the Tesla array. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has long said he wants to see more Bitcoin mining rely on renewable energy sources. I guess you got it, you little freaking psycho. Of course, now that we have Elon Musk in the mix on this particular thing, will four days go by and he pull, he'll, he'll pull out? I don't know, time will tell. We'll have to watch that crazy son of a bitch. But be that as it may, this, this announcement was kind of like, you know, in a slew of announcements. Um, and some people were saying that they just, yeah, they, these announcements just fell upon deaf ears, no matter what the announcement, right? 
and I'm, I'm kind of trying to wash that through my mind as to why, because people flipped their lid last year at Bitcoin 2021 when Naib Bukele stood on stage and made the announcement that El Salvador was going to make Bitcoin uh, legal tender. Now we've got a couple of other people that are going to make it legal tender. And it was like, meh. And then they announced this thing and it's like, meh. And I don't know. What, how do you guys feel? Do you, were you guys excited at all about any of the announcements, especially the Jack Mallers announcement? Jack Mallers strike integrating with world's largest point of sale providers to enable sovereign payments with Bitcoin. Bitcoin Magazine, Casey Carrillo brings us the announcement. Strike CEO Jack Mallers announced at Bitcoin 2022 that the company has partnered with not one, not two, but three of the world's largest payment providers, Shopify, NCR and Blackhawk Network to enable Bitcoin payments at stores throughout the country. He explained that the integration eliminates legacy banks from the payment process, saving merchants on fees and enabling privacy for shoppers. Quote, you're going to be able to walk into a grocery store, to Whole Foods, to Chipotle. If you want to use a lightning node over Tor, you do that. Maller said on stage at Bitcoin 2022, quote, any online merchant that uses Shopify can accept payments without the 1949 Boomer credit card network, receive it instantly, cash final, no intermediary, and no 3% fee, end quote. The announcement is a major innovation in merchants' abilities to interact with the Bitcoin network and in users' ability to privately and permissionlessly make purchases throughout the United States. Now, they will be able to take advantage of the cheap, instant, and open access offered by Bitcoin. An image shared by Mallers as part of the presentation listed McDonald's, Walmart, Walgreens, and more U.S. franchises as places where the strike integration will be usable. Mallers also emphasized that he is dedicated to protecting Bitcoin innovation in the United States, reporting, quote, I've been working with Senator Cynthia Lummis to make sure that in the United States of America, we support this open payment standard and it isn't threatened by anybody else, end quote. Last year at Bitcoin 2021, Mallers, alongside President Nayib Bukele, announced that El Salvador would introduce a bill to make Bitcoin legal tender, which would later be passed. This was a historic announcement and a turning point in the rapid adoption by politicians that we've seen over the last year. Strike is a global payments network that utilizes Lightning. After last year's El Salvador announcement, the industry has been looking to Mallers as a leader in global adoption and development toward nation-state Bitcoin usage. The announcement today only added to the company's reputation of increasing access to the Bitcoin network. Mallers finished the presentation by saying, this is our announcement, referring to the larger Bitcoin community. So what do you guys think about this one? Now, there's a, there's a good uh, rebuttal to, you know, the efficacy of this announcement as such. And that is that, well, that's just great. So people are just going to cannibalize the Bitcoin and Lightning network to trade fiat currency around. I think that that's a valid argument. I, I don't have a problem understanding that that's a thing. That's a real thing. I mean, if, if I'm going to go into, I don't know, let's just say Walgreens, I use this system. Walgreens gets their final settlement in cash, not in Bitcoin. 
None of these companies right now, and, and I think that'll change, but right now, none of these companies are going to be taking Bitcoin directly. If they're going to go through Strike, Strike's going to ex get immediately sell, and they're going to get cash, and they're going to cash that out to the vendor for the sale price of goods and services sold to me at Walgreens or whatever. And people are looking at that saying, well, whoop-de-doo. And I get that. However, the thing about it is, is that if I'm going to grow an orchard of trees and I start with either seeds or seedlings, and I'm sure it's not going to start with, you know, a one-year-old tree, you know how much it would cost me to plant like, you know, 4,000, you know, $20 one-year-old trees. I don't even, I don't want to do the math. Okay. It's like a lot of money. So I go with seeds, which are much cheaper. And I go through the, the field and I plant the seeds. And then I come to you and I say, look, look, that which I have wrought. I have planted an orchard. And you look out and you know, what do you see? You see a bare fucking field. That is not exciting at all. This comes back to time preference. The excitement about this announcement, if you are excited about this announcement, it is going to be solely based on your time preference. If you're looking at Bitcoin adoption directly right now, God, it's got to happen right now. I cannot wait. Then you have a time preference that is shooting itself in its head. If you have a longer view, then you can look out upon my orchard field and you can visualize the trees that are 40 years old. And then you'll understand that it's going to take 40 years old to realize that vision. And that's if I can escape all the diseases, if I can make sure that my soil is good, if I can do all the maintenance of those seeds as they grow to their 40-year-old stature. Doesn't happen instantly. What Jack has done is he's carried the seeds with him into the orchard. He was granted permission to walk across the orchard, punch holes into the ground, and plant the seeds. That's the big deal. He was allowed on the land. We got this kid who's done all this and he finally broke through the fence line with a bag full of seed and a stick and he's punching holes in the ground and dropping seeds and stepping on them to cover them for good seed soil contact, which is what you need for seeds to grow. We don't know how this orchard will grow. We do know one thing. He planted a shit ton of seeds. That's the excitement about this particular announcement. Moving on, Trezor introduces direct-to-self-custody Bitcoin buys. This is Bitcoin Magazine. It's written by Peter Chawaga. In Invity.io, the in-app Bitcoin exchange for Trezor hardware wallets has partnered with Bitcoin purchasing platform Swan Bitcoin to enable recurring direct-to-custody Bitcoin purchases for Trezor, Trezor users. Announced on stage at Bitcoin 2022, the partners frame the addition as a simple way for Bitcoin investors to practice the critical security measure of self-custody rather than making their investments on an exchange and leaving their BTC on the exchange. 
Bitcoin best practices dictate that users not hold their Bitcoin on exchanges as they are then trusting the operators to protect the private keys associated with this Bitcoin for them. Numerous instances of hacks and compromises have demonstrated that this can result in the loss of the BTC. Invity, I-N-V-I-T-Y, has integrated a Swan API into its Trezor Suite app, which wallet users leverage as the interface to manage their Bitcoin. A newly introduced Save into Bitcoin button in the suite will guide users to the options for making Bitcoin purchases and to set up recurring buys of various amounts. A linked bank account will then convert U.S. dollars into Bitcoin automatically, and the purchased BTC will be sent directly to the user's Trezor. Many Bitcoin advocates also encourage the practice of dollar cost averaging as an investment method for Bitcoin as it mitigates some of the notorious price volatility that the asset does experience. Quote, by offering new users a straightforward way to buy Bitcoin in the amount they want and on their schedule, anyone can benefit from dollar cost averaging while keeping their investment as secure as possible, said Stephen Levera, the managing director of Swan Bitcoin, per an Invity release shared with Bitcoin Magazine. The automated Bitcoin purchases are expected to go live in May 2022 uh, in the update of the Trezor suite. Okay, so direct to your Trezor. I personally don't use Trezor, but the more wallets that are using the Swan API to be able to sweep your uh, balances in an automated fashion to your private keys is always a good thing. Also a good thing, even though Kathy Woods has been having kind of a problem with her ARK investment, she made a good move, I think. I think, I'm not sure. But Kathy Woods' ARK Invest dumps PayPal favoring Bitcoin-friendly cash app. Brian Neuer tells us more about the switch from Cointelegraph. Crypto investment company ARK Invest founder Kathy Wood has dumped all of the firm's holdings of PayPal and showed greater confidence in the long-term growth of the Cash App payment system, which uses the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Wood explained her firm's move at the Miami Bitcoin 22 conference, which wrapped up on Saturday. The Lightning Network is a layer two solution for Bitcoin meant to facilitate faster and cheaper transactions. Financial technology company PayPal operates the payment app Venmo as a direct competitor with Blocks, formerly Square, Cash App. Okay, Wood said in an interview with CNBC on Friday that she made the decision to drop PayPal for Cash App due to its more comprehensive approach toward digital asset wallet integration. She said that although Venmo has begun to accommodate Bitcoin, it's more of a follower of Cash App. Quote, we tend to put our bets with who we believe will be the winners. As we consolidated our portfolios during a risk-off period, we chose Block over PayPal, end quote. Wood continued that her firm's conviction in Cash App stems from what she perceives to be an organically driven growth in users as opposed to more of a top-down approach from Venmo. In general, Wood believes retail investors have driven the crypto market up to this point. She stated, quote, I don't think most institutional investors are positioned the way they ultimately will be. Retail has really led the charge here, end quote. Venmo currently boasts 70 million users and $850 million in profit compared with Cash App's 44 million users and $2.03 billion in profit in 2021, according to data from Cash or from App Tracker Business of Apps. 
the stark contrast in their ability to net profits could be either an, or rather another motivating factor for ARK's assessment of the two brands. As ARK Invest has taken a bullish stance on Cash App, its Bitcoin product leads Miles Suitors announced on Thursday that American users would be able to automatically invest a portion of their direct deposits into Bitcoin. Wood is a Bitcoin, big Bitcoin believer who repeated her prediction in the interview that BTC would hit $1 million by 2030. Okay, so let's go over this number, this set of numbers again. Venmo has 70 million users made 850 million with an M in profit. Cash App has only 44 million and they got 2.03 billion with a B in profit. That's well over 2X and they have a little bit over half of Venmo's customer base. How, what the hell is that? Holy shit, Jack. Talk about ripping it up, bro. My God. And just to finish this off here, uh, Axie Infinity sees no signs of buyers as AXS price tumbles 30% in two weeks. Honestly, that's all you need to know. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, people learn from the Axie Infinity hack that maybe it's not safe. Maybe these assets are, are not good assets. Maybe they don't actually do anything or prevent something or enable something. Maybe all it is, is a bullshit cash grab and you're gonna lose all your money. That's gonna do it for the morning roundup. Monday, good day for a joke. Today, I started an argument with my wife while riding in an elevator, and I was wrong on so many levels. As we start the week uh, closing out the Bitcoin 2022 uh, conference, may I remind you that there is no reason to be sad. You met friends. I wish I had been there. I really do. I wish I had been there. I wanted to meet all, there was a lot of people that I would have loved to have met and loved to have grabbed a beer with, but I wasn't. So for those of you that were lucky enough to actually have been at the conference, didn't succumb to the shit coinery and you know, kept your, your ethics and morals about you and met all the great Bitcoiners from all over the world, keep those relationships stoked white hot. Make sure that you keep in contact with these people. Make sure that you write them, either through DM or an email or whatever. Call them on the phone if you have their phone number. Make sure that you, you start in on doing that project that you crafted over the, you know, over the whiskeys that you were swilling at the bar. Do all those things. There's no reason to go, oh, bummer, man. I'm not gonna be you know, hanging out with a bunch of Bitcoiners. It's okay, we're growing. <clears throat> And one person wrote back to the tweet that I said about, you know, what you can do to stave off, you know, the, the possible depression that sets in after a Bitcoin conference and all that. One person wrote back, start a local Bitcoin meetup. If you don't have Bitcoiners around you, then the best way to get some is to host a, a, a meetup. Do a Bitcoin meetup. 
figure out a place to go. I don't know. I mean, go like if you have a local college or a university or something like that, post up flyers. You'll have to get most universities, you'll have to get permission. You'll have to get approval from the business office. Um, that's generally speaking, who's going to be doing that. Look for the business office, take your flyer in, see if you can get it approved. Once they stamp them, then you can put them up pretty much anywhere in the, um, in the college and university. I would uh, rec highly recommend the Biz College of Business. I would recommend, uh, obviously, computer sciences. And is, is there any other place that I would do it? Uh, I don't know, maybe mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, like, you know, the engineer, your engineering school. Because um, computer sciences, sometimes they're in engineering and sometimes it's completely separate. It kind of depends. Go set up your own meetup. Like, sow the seeds of future Bitcoiners for yourself. Go into the orchard, break across the fence line, get your stick, stab holes in the ground, and plant your Bitcoiners where ye may. All right? I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.